I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Join me today as I talk with Nick Galang from Oahu, Hawaii. Nick and his wife Shelly are the interim leaders of the Oahu Church of Christ. They've stepped in for Nick's parents, Son and Anthony Galang. Listen today as Nick shares what it was like growing up in the Galang household, how he met and married his high school sweetheart, how he got started as a song leader, how he started and runs his own marketing firm in Hawaii, what it's like to work in his business along with his brother Chris, how his dad's advice to quote-unquote be who you are has guided his choices in life, what gets him up in the morning, the importance of saying yes to God, and finally, a secret surprise in his family. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no-regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. The CLIMB Conference is coming up November 30th through December 3rd, 2023 in Dallas, Texas. Have you registered yet? You need to be there to get inspired, get tools for growth, listen to amazing speakers, people like Sean Wooten, Kevin Miller, Dave Bliley, Darren Overstreet, and so many others. They're going to help you to grow your ministry, grow yourself, and learn how to overcome roadblocks that you're facing in your life and in your ministry. Finally, you'll just get encouraged being around idealistic, faithful followers of Jesus. So register today at robskinner.com if you haven't already. I'm looking for a leadership couple to plant the Sarita and Green Valley Church in September of 2023. There's been a couple driving all the way up from Green Valley with Karen Kalarik, whom I interviewed a while back. Nearly every Sunday, one or both of them will cry after the lesson and thank me for preaching the word to them. They just got baptized a few weeks ago. It was so awesome. They got baptized in my swimming pool in the back of my house. When I see the passion and desire in their face, I think we need a church for them and people like them. And that's why I'm looking for a leadership couple to plant this beautiful area of Arizona. If you're interested in leading or going, email me at rob at robskinner.com. That's rob at robskinner.com. If you'd like to support the planting with a tax-deductible gift, simply click the link in the bottom of the show notes and select the general fund option. I want to share some good news. A young man just got baptized last weekend. His name was Jackson Guthridge. And he's got a really cool story because we had a campus swap where disciples from the Flagstaff planting came down and helped support our campus ministry over spring break. And it was awesome. Really appreciate it. I mean, we planted that church and then they sent back recruits to help us on our campus. And they're out tabling one day and a young man came up to their table and was interested. And the guys called me that day and said, hey, Rob, we found someone who's really seeking. And so I went over, we studied the Bible with them that night. And he was super open. He's been coming to church since that time, and he just got baptized last Saturday. And what was really neat is he said, hey, I'd really like to get baptized at Seven Falls here in Tucson. And initially I was hesitant because it's quite a climb to get up there. 
But he shared a story and he said, you know, when I was really in a very low point in my life, I went on a hike to Seven Falls just to clear my mind. And I went and I ran into these two ladies and they said, hey, you should go talk to those girls up ahead of you on the, on the trail. So he said he went up to the to the Seven Falls and to the pool, and it's really awesome. It's, it's like seven waterfalls going into pools of water. They're beautiful, deep pools of water. And so he was sitting there reading a self-help book, and then the two women came up to him and said, "What are you are you are you reading the Bible?" And he said, "No, of course not." He was he was embarrassed that they thought of that, and they said, "Well, we do, and we'd like to study the Bible with you." And so they. They weren't members of our family of churches, but they showed him some scriptures, and he said that that was like a turning point for him. That's when he really started to open up to God and to seeking God. And so when he ran into those disciples on campus a few weeks later, he said, okay, maybe this is God working. And so he wanted to get baptized in the same place that was a turning point for him in his walk with God. And so those two women could have been angels. I don't know, but it was pretty awesome. So we took a hike up and it was, it was quite a climb. I mean, it's like we started at eight in the morning. We didn't get up there until about 1130 and we didn't get back till about two, but it was fantastic to see him baptized. He's a, a sophomore at the University of Arizona and now he's in Georgia at the campus training program. So God is working, really inspired. Have an awesome day. Nick, welcome to the program. Hey, Rob. Thanks so much for having me. It's, this is amazing. I mean, two generations. I knew your dad when we were in college together. He was an older brother spiritually. He's just a couple of years older than, than I am. But it's great to see what God is doing with you, and I look forward to talking to you today. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, he, he often talks about his Berkeley days, so this is really special. It's yeah. great to be here. How did you become a Christian? Great question. Um so, I mean, my journey to Christianity and becoming a disciple starts when I came out of the womb. <laughs> <laughs> my parents were on the mission field in Manila, and uh, I was born in Quezon City in St. Luke's Hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and my parents told me that the doctor just sort of grabbed my leg and like held me up by my legs, like upside down. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that's how it started. I was born into the church. And I think I was so fortunate enough to grow up among many different people and have incredible influences in my life, even outside of my parents, um, that helped me to just see what discipleship looked like. I think it was, uh, you know, who Ruben DeAnda is. Right. And he was such an instrumental figure in helping me to become a disciple. So I was baptized on February 26th. Um, in 2015, I was 15 years old and a freezing cold night in my community pool. Um, but definitely that moment felt, felt like a culmination of, uh, of things that had spanned my entire lifetime to get to that point. So I think, so I, I think I became did you say a, 2015 or 2005. Oh, 2005. Sorry, not okay. 2015. Correct. I correct. thought that, that would make you about 23 right now. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be a lot. Uh, I'd be a lot younger. Um, yeah. So 2005, and um, we. I just calculated it like I think two weeks ago, but by the time I was 14, our family had moved nine times. Whoa. So that's sort of how I grew up, right? There was this constant change and a flux, but 
I think what was so amazing to reflect on was just the constant bedrock and stability that was within our family. And I attribute that so much to the faith of my parents and the love of my parents. I definitely could see that the gospel wasn't something that they just preached on Sundays. Like that was how they lived in the household. Like I, I genuinely can say that uh, with all sincerity. Uh, and I think their example was just so fundamental for both me and my younger brother. Mm. So, yeah. Okay. So you're 33 now. How did you meet Shelly? <laughs> um, Shelly and I met uh, in, as sophomores in high school. And we had both been baptized at that point, and we went on a double date. Um, and it's a funny story because we weren't each other's dates. We were the other person. We, we were on a date with somebody else, essentially. Um, so we go on this date. We don't see each other for another like a year and a half. And I come up to her one day um, at some all churchwide, you know, event. And I go, Shelly, what's up? It's so good to see you. And she just gives me this look. And she says, who, who are you? <laughs> and yeah, like she, she totally forgot who I was. Like oh we spent God. like four or five hours together on this double date, right? We weren't each other's date, but we still spent time together. And her defense is that I had way different hair and I looked a lot different, yada, yada, yada. But it, that, that just, that kind of like piqued my interest a little bit. You know, I was like, what <laughs> who is this girl and, and I, I and so from that point i started to just sort of take an interest into her i'd say mm. and um yeah lo and behold we started dating senior of high school um dated all the way through college um and and then we got married in 20 2014 um so yeah man that is how we met okay so you were 24 when you got married? I so I'm 31 now. Oh, so I'm you're 31. 31. Okay. Yeah, so I think I was 21 or 22 when I got married. Okay, so you and then okay, so you guys have been married. So you guys dated a long time. Yeah, I think like 5 5 or 6 years almost, something like that. Okay. And and then you guys have been married for let's see 11 years or so. Mhm. Mm Nine years. Oh man, that's even weird to think about. <laughs> yeah. What what was it like growing up in the Galang household? Yeah. Um, like I said, we moved a lot. So there was I, I was constantly used to moving like every three or four years. I sort of had this internal clock in me. Um, and so that was sort of always in the back of my mind. And I'm going mean, to get to the Glang household in a second, but I think this background's helpful. Like I knew we met so many people <laughs> across so many different churches. And I think a part of being a minister's kid is that you just, especially being the oldest of a minister's kid, you sort of have this unspoken expectation to be like golden child or to be the next, whatever it is. Right. Um, and so you know, I grew up um, being asked to give warm hugs and to be loving and other people would often heap different expectations on us. Like when I was four years old, we went to a conference in Arizona and we had this huge dinner with all these ministers. It was like a ministers only conference or whatever in the 90s. And I remember one of the ministers 
coming up to me with a microphone, handing me the microphone and asking me to pray. And before he did that, uh, pray for this like meal for the entire group, a couple hundred people. And I was four years old and he introduced me as, hey guys, everybody, this is Nick Galang, a future minister. <laughs> and so I just remember that, you know what I mean? <laughs> I just, and obviously it stuck with me uh, for all of those years. And so now that sort of is in the back of my head growing up. Um, and, you know, for better or for worse, you just receive that sort of expectation or that pressure growing up in the church. And I think what I appreciate about my family is that it was such a calm, like peaceful, uh, stable, loving, caring environment that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I took that for granted until I married Shelly and she, you know, <laughs> let me know of her background and others background. She's like, Nick, you don't get it. Like, this is not normal. This is really not normal. Um, but that was normal for me. Um, and so I, I think I, I just say that because uh, my parents are very um, soft hearted. Mm -hmm. I would I would wake up and remember my parents being up, having their quiet times, reading their Bibles. And I'd go, wow, like that's it's like, I don't know how early it is right now, but dad's at the kitchen table mom's praying it was just it was just peaceful there right. was just this spirit of uh peace which was really cool that's awesome your dad has always struck me as imperturbable very peaceful quiet soft-spoken and a man of few words so i can only imagine what that'd be like being raised in that household mm -hmm. totally I'm, i don't even that word is what was that word imperturbable imperturbable i'm gonna have to <laughs> take that one and put it in my vocabulary but that is very accurate very true about him yeah but there, what's i find interesting about you nick is that you are a man of many interests i mean you're great at music you're a song leader i think you led songs at the 2012 mountain of yeah. the lord conference i think i saw you up on stage there i mean you were 20 i guess at that time in front of twenty thousand people that's that's a lot of pressure there, but also you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner. How did you get interested in starting your own business? I, I mean, I love, I have that spirit in me, like starting new things, entrepreneurialism. How'd you get interested? Ah, that's a great question. So it's, it's funny because I think this desire or uh, starting a business was really born out of how I grew up. Okay. So um, I think I grew up seeing a lot of needs and being aware of a lot of needs, just naturally. Um, and so interestingly enough, when I moved here to Oahu, um, they were trying to just kind of get with the times and um, grow their digital presence, their online presence. So, so they wanted a website. And Lo and behold, I had come from the Orange County campus ministry where Stuart Maines was my campus minister for many, many years. And I, I attribute him to the reason that I started doing things like graphic design and social media content and um, just sort of doing that, like taking an interest in the digital realm in that way. And so I was doing that, uh, whether it was for keynote slides, like lyrics, um, we had built websites together uh, in college. And so um, there was a need. I saw a need. And 
I don't, I don't necessarily think I'm incredibly talented in any sort of way. I, I have to work hard in a lot of areas that I just want to work hard in and uh, be excellent in, but I saw a need to, to help the church in this way. And I didn't see anybody else saying, I'll do it. And so I said, I'll do it. <laughs> and in 2012, 2013, uh, built the website. This is the first one in a while. I filmed the video for the church uh, just because I, I just wanted to make it good. You know, like I, this is the church and I really wanted to represent the church super well and um, make it excellent for God. And so I just said, yes. Um, and like that concept of just saying yes to things like saying yes to God, it's sort of like a, well, someone's got to do it, right? Like someone's got to, someone's got to step up to the plate. It's not like I necessarily have wanted these things in my life. I do feel like just it's, I've been led there, um, by being willing, you might say. So that, that opening actually led me to more openings, more opportunities to build websites for people outside of the church. And they go, Hey, Nick, I'll pay you. I'll pay you a little bit of money. I'm like, I'm 20, 21 years old. And I'm going, sure. You know what I mean? Like I need money. Like I'm on my own right now and blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. And so I built website after website, after website, got better at it, got better at it. And then people were like, Hey, do you actually do this too? What about this? Can you do this and this and this? And I said, well, I can learn. And so I learned, uh, I learned how to do this and that. And all of a sudden, uh, maybe not all of a sudden, but eventually it turned into like a full-fledged marketing firm where I had uh, four or five employees working under me, um, some physical and some remote. And then now I'm managing like an entire company with an office in downtown like Honolulu. <laughs> what? And yeah, like it, it just sort of turned into what it turned into. And that journey really just started with a simple yes, I think. Okay, so let's back it up a little bit. So you not only have your own online marketing company, but you have a bricks, brick and mortar company downtown Oahu? Yes, so we did. And we, we closed that office down, unfortunately, during COVID because it was just impossible to do anything during COVID and there was no need for an office. And so we, we shut that down and now all of us are just remote. We just work remotely now. Um, but I did and I decorated it and it was so <laughs> a little trendy and, you know, it was really cool. And like, I, I, I just, like, I have dreams of now doing something like that again, but for the church where we can film content, we can, you know, just do all this super cool stuff. Um, but it was such a great experience, man. I'll tell you that. That's awesome. So that's your, so you're still just running your marketing company. It's all folded mm -hmm. into one. And yeah. And you also work with your brother, Chris, is that right? Yeah. Okay. How, how does that work? I mean, how do you, what's it like working with a, with a family member? Yeah. Well, I have experience with that in a number of ways. Um, I think it's great, man. I think it depends on the dynamic though. I think because uh, our family has a dynamic of like a fairly easygoing um, dynamic that is pensioned on excellence, like it sort of just drives itself. Um, Chris needs zero micromanagement and he essentially helps to run the company now because I'm full-time in the ministry, right? I've got all these other responsibilities and he is essentially the face of the company. He meets with all of our clients. 
um, they love him. Oh my gosh. Like <laughs> they, they love him. Like we get with a lot of like, um, uh, successful businesses on the Island, I'll say, and they just cannot stop raving about Chris. Right? <laughs> like he's just a good dude. Like he has a great presence. He's responsible. Um, he gets things done. Um, it's super simple for me. And that, that takes a load off of my shoulders as well, because he understands my situation. You know, we're not just coworkers. We're, we're friends. We share life together. He's my best friend. He lives one street over from I do. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's a unicorn type of thing, right? Like not everyone can work with their family members, but I, I think that his assertiveness in his own life to take responsibility uh, to be self-motivated, um, to do things excellently has really made a difference in just our dynamic in our working dynamic. So wow. it's amazing. I love, okay. I love working with him. Okay. So what's the name of your company? If someone wanted to Google you and find out what you're doing? Uh, the company is called the creative co or the creative company, <laughs> sort of an all in one marketing firm. And if they type that in, it would come up on the website. Yeah. Okay. And Absolutely. so you're like the C CEO and Chris is the COO. How does it, yes. how have you got a That's structure? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. I'm the CEO and he's the COO. Wow. Your parents, are your parents at all involved in this? They're not, they're not actually. I think if I could share a little bit about how they like sort of, um, like how that came to be, well, they've always encouraged us to be ourselves and to do what we want to do and to follow our passions. Like I played tennis, me and Chris played tennis growing up. Then he branched out into soccer. And then I started, I actually started a clothing line, um, not too long ago and it was pretty successful. We had our clothes in a bunch of stores here on the Island and we had clothes on some shops on the mainland and it got too busy for me and it was sort of a grind and it morphed into my marketing firm eventually. But my parents were always like, just so encouraging, you know, and I'd always I, I was scared to bring it up with them, right? Like, I want to pursue this. But I know, you know, we're so we're so, we're church folks, right? Like the church is just everything for us. And so I was scared to bring that up. Like, I kind of want to pursue this. Like, I feel like I want to pursue this passion. But the answer has always been go for it. Like, that's so cool. Mm. Like, I'd love to see how this pans out. I think you can totally do it. Like it's just, it's just like this overwhelming amount of encouragement that empowers me and, and my brother to just be who we want to be. Mm. Um, and so, man, yeah, Make, you're making me want to give my parents a hug right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I recently saw you at a Pacific Southwest church leaders meeting and I noticed you're wearing some pretty snazzy clothes. Now, are those clothes that you've designed from your own company or not? No, those aren't. Those aren't. I do have some floating around and people will wear them. Um, and I'll see them once in a while. Uh, but those are, uh, those are some different, different clothing. <laughs> now I remember your dad telling me at one time, because, you know, we always talk about our kids and what they're doing. And I think he was saying that Nick was taking old clothes and resending or refurbishing them and buying and selling. Is, is that what he's, you were referring to? So that in the beginning, I would do something like that. But actually what I think you're mentioning is actually what my brother does. So I have multiple uh, businesses and side hustles and so does he. So his one of his main things 
is buying and reselling. So he'll take, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure sort of vibe. Right. And he'll go to Goodwill and he'll go to the the boxes and the donations at Goodwill. And it's called sourcing. And he'll take these clothes. He'll clean them up. He'll find like he'll find things like Lululemon. He'll find things that are, you know, like valuable to other people. And then he'll he'll sell it. He'll sell it at pretty much market price. And let me I'll tell you right now, he makes a he makes a lot of good money doing that. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay. That's, I like how creative, great creative you are. So you, it's not just one thing you're doing all sorts of different things. You've got like a mind that's very, you're kind of roving around trying, trying different things. Yeah. Yeah. I love experimenting. I was thinking about it the other day that I just, for better or for worse, I love to experiment and I'm okay with failure. You know, like for our AV system, I just implemented something slightly new. And one of the guys who helps me to do AV for the church, he goes, Nick, can you just, can we just keep it the same? Like, I just (laughs) want it to be the same. And in my mind, I'm like, no, dude, I don't want it to be the same. I want it to be better. I want it to be greater. I want this to be more excellent and more efficient Mm -hmm. so that at the end of the day, it's better for everybody. But some things are good. Some things are bad. And we learn and we move. So, yeah. Another area I want to talk a little bit about is music. You're you're a song leader and a recognized kingdom song leader for sure. How'd you get into that? How'd you develop the your aptitude for music? Oh man. So believe it or not, my dad was a musician when he was a kid. What? If you can if you can just can't see it. it. Nope. So uh my grandparents, so his mom and dad, <laughs> when they would have people over as guests they would have Anthony play the classical guitar for them. And he would he would pl- pluck on the nylon strings and play for them either while they were in conversation or something like that. So my dad grew up pretty musical. Wow. Um, and, you know, my parents, neither of them are like singers, singers. But, you know, I listen to them and, you know, ministers, man, they belt out the songs. <laughs> they go hard, right? And so I'd be standing next to dad and I would hear him. You know, it'd be loud and he could always hold the tune. He was always in tune. Um, I think what got me into it was, again, out of necessity. I didn't ask for it. I didn't desire for, for it necessarily. Ruben, during like a, a devotional for the teens, he was like, hey, Nick, um, we want to sing some songs in the beginning. Can you lead songs? And I must have been a junior, senior in high school. And I was so nervous. But I was like, sure, man, if there's no one else who can't who can do it, I'll do it. I got you. So I just said yes. Mm. And I remember practicing um, like whose side are you fighting on like like 15 times for like 30 minutes before just that one song before leading that song for the first time. I was so nervous and so like into myself. But that's how it started. And then ever since then, I, I, I led music for the campus ministry. And I guess that that carried over to all the other places I've been. So, mm. yeah, it reminds me of uh People, you know, what you're talking about, you're, you're saying a lot of the talents that you've developed and even the work that you've been doing, it's sprang from necessity within the church environment, whether it's, you know, you're building a website or whether it's singing. It reminds me of like Beyonce. I know she grew up going to church, singing songs in church. Aretha Franklin, a lot of the famous blues and soul singer, they, they grew up having that platform every Sunday. I mean, it, it's a great opportunity to develop your skills in a real safe environment. Yeah. But it's, it's powerful. And I've seen that actually happen. There was a woman who 
we converted in Japan and she would sing for us at church on Sunday and she became pretty popular in in Japan as a professional singer. But wow. I mean it just it's a great it's a great venue and a great opportunity to develop those skills. But yeah. let's let's talk let's go forward here a little bit. How do you step into the leadership of the Oahu Church? Um well, it might be a recurring theme here, but somewhat out of necessity. Uh, <laughs> so my parents, my parents have been doing ministry for 38 years full time. Um, and again, we've moved multiple times and they've never had like a, a break or real break. Um, you know, and sometimes it's easy. You go on vacation, but it's not really a vacation. I mean, partly vacation, but you're doing work there, here and there. And I think after 38 years, it was healthy and needed for them to choose rest. Um, and so Shelly and I have been full-time in the ministry for since 2015, right? So eight years or so. Um, and we just happened to be the most senior staff outside of Anthony and Zahn. And so um, they presented us with this uh uh, this possibility, I think it was last year, and we've been talking through a lot. So my man, uh, my my dad is a a man of processes, right? And he includes people, and he's he's an unhurried guy. I'll tell you that, which is so cool. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, like he's unhurried, and sometimes, you know, as his son, I go, man, dad, like speed it up a little bit, like whatever. But in his unhurried way, many people were involved in the conversations of what a sabbatical could look like for the church, a mm. sabbatical policy. We've never had one before. And so let's just involve as many people as we can to really come up with something that pleases God. And so, yeah, I mean, we just said, sure, we'll, uh, we'll be the point of contact. That's how it's being described, right? It's, we are the points of contact for the church. And I, I do want to bring uh, attention to that because it's, it's so much less about us being the people and more about having such an amazing team around us. Mm -hmm. Like I'll say that right now, we have an amazing uh, campus ministry couple. We have uh, two amazing elder couples. We have a ministry advisory group. We have, uh, you know, the board of directors as well, who is awesome. Uh, And and not to mention the, uh, just the plethora of incredible lay leaders and servants in the church. I mean, bro, like if I'm honest, like the church was just set up, it was Mm. so set up for where it is right now. So they're on sabbatical right now. And it's been April and mid April. So it's been almost a month. And (laughs) from what I can tell, it's going well. (laughs) I mean, hopefully, right. Nothing crazy, but that's just attributed. That's I think that's a, what is that called? That it speaks a lot to the the health of the church Mm. just the fact that yeah the leaders can go but it the church will still be where it is and grow Mm -hmm. um so yeah wow that would i think paralyze a lot of people having to step into your your parents shoes so to speak that's pretty big shoes to fill how do you deal with that i mean how do you deal with that mentally the scrutiny, the pressure, oh, you know, I don't think Anthony would do it that way, or maybe they don't say that. What, what, how do you deal with the, the pressure? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, you know, I know 
it, it can feel like there are big shoes to fill. Um, but for me, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think about it as, as, as the way my parents have always coached and encouraged me in life is to be who I am and not try to fit in someone else's shoes. I think that takes so much pressure off of me um, because it's so much more about embracing my own unique role uh, in this all and staying true to who I am and who God has called me to be. Um, I can tell you this, man, I have never prayed <laughs> more than I have in this season of my life ever. Like I've, and I've communicated that with people to the church, to my wife. I, I, there was the Thursday night. I don't know why I remember it was a Thursday night and I, I had, I was just in prayer all day, 24 seven. Like if I wasn't having a conversation with somebody or whatever, like I, I was just constantly in prayer. And I remember getting to our couch and I just like collapsed on our couch <laughs> on my back and I wasn't able to get up. And I was like, Shelly, I don't think I can get up right now. And she's like, what's going on? And I was like, I'm just, I, I've been in prayer this whole, and I was just, I was sort of like, just, I was exhausted because right. I was so, I was just pouring my heart out and, you know, trying to speak with God. I, I, I think I've, I've come to realize that I can't, I can do nothing outside of the power of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. wow. So much more, right? Like I, I cannot do anything on my own. I can, for all the talents that God has given me, like nothing happens without the movement of the spirit of God in all of this. The spirit leads the church in every step that we take. And it's his wisdom that, that guides us. Mm. Um, so again, I think it's the pressure is totally, uh, disseminated, dispersed, however you want to call it amongst many people. How, uh, how, because how, it's, what's, what's yeah. the response been like from the congregation? Have they, have they been supportive? How's, yeah. how's it gone? Oh, super supportive, man. I think I, I, I have had no problem asking people to help out, uh, and serve. And I think that, uh, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't have asked for, we couldn't have asked for better members, um, who have just been so vocally, um, and supportive as well as just, you know, physically doing things as well. Um, but it's just overwhelming support, hmm. overwhelming support from my end. So let me ask you this, what, why did, why did you decide to go in the ministry at 20 in 2015? You've got this, you know, these high side hustles that probably could support you just on, on their own. Why ministry? That's a good question. Um, because I think at the end of the day, like everything matters so little compared to knowing Christ and helping others know Christ. Like, you know, like everything is just sort of icing on the cake and perhaps for the sake of like surviving on one of the most expensive places to live on planet earth, I need to do a side <laughs> hustle. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, sure. There's a necessity to it. Um, a partial necessity to it. But I mean, at the end of the day, like my passion is people. Um, I think about Paul and, how he writes in Philippians three, like, you know, but whatever were to my gain, I consider them a loss mm. because of the sake of knowing Christ. 
because of whom uh, through whom I've lost all things. Mm -hmm. Everything else is garbage right. compared to to Jesus. And that's just that's just how it is. Like, I, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how how successful you are in the world's eyes or how, how well you can do things. It's just it's about knowing Jesus. And so I think that passion drove me to pursuing um, a career, I guess I'd say, uh, doing what I love the most. And it is that. It is ministry. It is the work of the ministry. It is preaching and teaching the gospel. It's making disciples. It's um, shepherding. Uh, it's it's all of that, man. Mm. So, yeah, that's awesome. What what gets you what gets you up in the morning? What you've got a full plate now. You've got a family. Uh, you've got a wife, and you've you've got your businesses that you probably have to monitor from time to time, and you've got a church now. So what keeps you motivated? What, what drives you? Um, a part of what helps to drive me nowadays is my time with God every day. And it sounds so, I don't know, that might sound a certain way, but I just, what I do, uh, I like to run. So I run almost every day, uh, but I like to get up early while it's still like not super hot <laughs> during the day. <laughs> And it's, it takes about five minutes, man. Like I, I run to this like bike path that's right on the water, right on the water. And I just run that. And I run like, a, I run for about an hour and I will, I will, I will run like this as I'm praying <laughs> <With your hands laughs> while up. I'm running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll definitely do that. Sometimes I go like this. I don't know. People may think I'm crazy. People are like, dude, who is this guy early in the morning? I don't know what, I don't know what this guy's doing. I'll be sometimes I'll be listening to spiritual books, right? I'll have I'll listen to podcasts, but I it's that it's that time in the morning that I have with God that, mm. that just I, I spend it in silence and solitude, so, mm. uh, pretty much. And it's just I, I can't say much because I'm running. <laughs> right. I don't. I so oftentimes I'll just look and I'll absorb. I'll smell like, mm. you know what I mean? Like, I'll just I'll just be there. And that sort of helps me to ground like the whole day in that moment. Wow. And I just, I do that and I go, man, okay, thank you, God. Let's do this. Mm. Let's do this. Mm. And so that pumps me up. I, I There's probably like a endorphin thing going on sure, too, right? Of course there is. <laughs> but I, I feel like it's just, it's just helpful. It's helpful for me. Um, I think a part of it as well is, uh, is I do have this pension to work for better or worse, I think there's something about setting goals, making plans, and seeing them come to fruition that gives me a sense of accomplishment. Um, and I definitely have struggled with my sense of self-worth being tied to my productivity, right? Um, but I, I think <laughs> more and more, like the more responsibility I get, the more I just have to just like throw it on to God, right? you know? the more I just have to throw it on to God or else I'm going to go crazy right? or else I'm just, you know, I'm going to start working off of my own human wisdom or my flesh. And I'm going to get confident in that and think that I've got that. But the more that I just throw everything onto God, man, like that, that pumps me up, that mm -hmm. drives me. And that, that makes me understand and know that I can, I can have a full schedule. I can have a busy life, but it can be totally unhurried, mm. you know, like it can be totally content. Wow. And that piece. So, yeah. Does Shelly feel the same way? How do you make sure that you're 
keeping pace, like you're, you're walking side by side, not, not dragging your wife along. How, how, how do you create the, the optimal family dynamic? That's a good question. And I'm figuring that out as we speak. So like, <laughs> like, like, so for people who are listening, um, we are expecting our first child and we're so excited about that. Uh, Congratulations. That's awesome. November. Thank you. Um, and so I'm, <laughs> I'm learning what it's like to be a dad. Um, she's like 14, almost 14 weeks pregnant now. Um, and Shelly is absolutely incredible. She's like, She's over the top incredible. Um, I have to keep up with her, if I'm honest. <laughs> she's so she's so centered. She's so calm. And she's so like, she. it was so funny. Like one time we were eating sushi. And this is just, I'm going to speak to her mentality and how she operates. We were eating sushi. And she started eating uh, just like as soon as she got the sushi. And I said, hey, 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 are we not going to pray for this meal right now? <laughs> and she she looks up at me, just gives me that look. And she says, my life is a prayer. <laughs> and and that's just how she operates. I kid you not, man. Like she's, she is just so like that. And it calls me so much higher as a husband and as a future dad, because I, I'm so thankful. I know that she is, she's a, she is like, She's ahead, man. She's so organized and on top of things. So it's very much the opposite. If I'm honest, I'm completely honest. I'm not dragging her. Like I, I get called higher by her. That's 100%. awesome. That's awesome. Nick, what advice would you give to a person who wants to make this life count? To say yes to God and to say yes to the spirit, to say yes to the unexpected, to say yes to the challenging, to say yes to things that'll take you out of your comfort zone. I think throughout my life, um, the most profound growth and most meaningful experiences that I've had have come from uh, saying yes. Mm. It's not about blindly agreeing to like everything, okay? Obviously there are boundaries, but I think I think when we're open to the paths that God will take us down, um, there's freedom in that, right? Like there's freedom in not having control. There's freedom in being led. And so saying yes is just like often just surrendering control and trusting in the God who is greater than me in his transformative and powerful ways. So I would say yes. That's awesome. <laughs> say yes, man. It's, it's inspiring to me how you're young and doing great things for God in a, in a variety of different fields, music, business, ministry. Now you're building family and it's, and you're doing it well. It, it reminds me of, um, Joseph and David and, you know, the Lord gave him success in everything he did because he is with him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can tell that God is with you, your family. And I just want to wish you all the bless all the best going forward, Nick. Oh. Thank you so much, Rob. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Here's how you can help support the program. First of all, hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about the program. Secondly, read and review one of my books, either How to Plant and Grow a Church or Courage, How to Make This Life Count. I've just been reading through this in my Young Guns, Young Leadership Group. We've been reading through it together and discussing it. And it's fun. It's really inspiring 
And, you know, I hope you, you'll take some time to, to read it and review it. You can find both of those books on Amazon.com. Thirdly, support the program financially by clicking the link in the show notes and selecting the general fund. Your tax-deductible gift will help me to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no-regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day, and make this life count.